This is iFanboy Booksplode, Cerebus, Book 3, Church and State, Volume 1. Fanboy Books Flowed, Cerebus Book 3, Church and State Volume 1. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Josh Flanagan. That's probably That whole thing's going to have to have an explainer, I think. <laughs> and but I'll Ron let you Rich- get to that. And Ron Richards. Uh, the subtitle of this episode is We've Bitten Off More Than We Can Chew. And before we get to our special guest, this is iFanboy Books Flowed, the show brought to you by patrons at patreon.com slash iFanboy. And now, let's meet our special guest. It's Mr. Alex Robinson. Hello, everyone out there in Nerdland. <laughs> <laughs> and his trademark copped introduction to himself. <laughs> Alex is, of course, the uh, famed cartoonist and podcaster of many shows. I don't have time to list them all. Oh, including, no, no one does. M- notably, Star Wars Minute and, and, the, and the newly insane, if I might say, Godfather Minute. Well, I was inspired by you guys with your uh, Goodfellas Minute. I was like, I got to get in on that uh, mafioso action. That doesn't make it less insane. You needed a piece yeah. of you needed a piece of the action, huh? Exactly. Wet beak, wet my beak. Wet beak. <laughs> so on this show, on the Booksplode show, we take a look at one graphic novel, one collected edition, one volume, and we talk about it and review it. And if you recall the last show in which we talked about the Street Angel Gang, which was a very, very short volume, Josh joked, let's do Cerebus next as sort of to make up for it. And I'm sorry. That and became this thing. I also enjoy that because I was not on that episode where you talked about uh, Street Angel, and uh, I feel as if I was not involved in the decision to read a 600-page paperback. <laughs> I'm sorry, 592 pages, Ron. 592 please. pages. So I came back from wherever I was with the news that I had to read, again, Cerebus Church and, Ch- Cerebus Church and State, Book 1, Volume volume 1. Men and X-Men. Men and X-Men. Um, but I was excited because it's been a long time since I revisited service. And then jo- when Josh mentioned or floated the idea of having Alex come on, I-, I-, I thought that was great because a Alex is a, is a cartoonist in his own right. And, uh, B, I did not know he, he enjoyed or has read service. So I, I- well, I'm-, I'm excited about this episode, guys. Let's get <laughs> Alex, let's get your, your service bonus. I know that you are a-, a lifelong big fan. I can see his influence on your work for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Hold on, so, we we didn't even say who he is. This is Cerebus by Dave Sim, yeah, and uh, it, and this Gerhard. is a ser- and Gerhard and, and back and background art, um, which we'll t- we'll talk about. Um, this is one of the many books that came out in that late seventies, eighties, nineties period, in which in which indie comics were a bona fide thing, yeah. and that. <laughs> As opposed to now, which well, is, no, which I mean, you it, don't really have that scene as it, as it is now. Yeah, I mean, Cerebus, really, I mean, Cerebus started in 1977, but it really kind of came to maturation in the black and white indie comics boom of the 80s. And, you right. know, and, and I think kind of, you know, that's where it became established as this thing. And then the 300-issue the run of Cerebus became a high-water mark for independent comics creators that, it, you know, everyone's going at. I know for a fact that there were several people in independent quote unquote independent comics who are chasing the 300 marker because of Dave Sim. So, uh, yeah, it, it definitely is highly influential. 
1977 to 2004, for anyone keeping track at home. That is a uh, Herculean effort, if there ever was one. So, Alex, why did I ask you to come here and talk about this with us? Do you know? Uh, Because I um, love Cerebus. Well, it's a complicated relationship. (laughs) I I think that that's completely fair. But, I mean, you are the biggest Cerebus fan I know. Um, and you know how to work a mic on a podcast, so I thought that that's that's a good deal. Now, now tell me, yes. when did you start reading it? Um, and, and I mean, I you, you did you start? You wouldn't have been able to start at the beginning. You would have been too young, I assume. Uh, I picked it up, I think, when I was uh, I think about 1984 or so, mm-hmm. uh, and I was like a young teenager, and uh, I had been into superhero comics, but was was uh, kind of getting a bit bored with them. And uh, so I was branching out into alternative comics. And like you said, that was they were kind of a viable thing. And there's a lot of like people vying to be the next, uh, you know, this is pre-image. So everyone's kind of fighting to be the third person in the third publisher in the in the uh, industry. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, so um, I had heard a I read a recommendation for this book called Cerebus and I checked it out and it uh, it blew my mind. So, so, so issue number 65 was my first issue. Oh wow! Is that, right. What are the numbers yeah. in here? Fifty-two to something, isn't it? Or oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that would be probably yeah, fifty-two to like uh, one hundred eleven. Uh, well, so your first is issue whole, is in here. One eleven goes all the way to the end of Church and State two. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, so, oh yeah, you're right. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's all right. So, I, I forget which issue it ends on. Maybe like eighty, eighty. But so yeah, so as just mentioned, your first issue is in this volume that we read. Yes, and perhaps not coincidentally, this is my favorite um, chapter, favorite book of the Cerebus saga. Oh, wow. This just oh. got way more intimidating. Um, and you, <laughs> and I assume you've reread it over the years. Have you, like, oh, yeah. The- well, I certainly have re- I, when I was you know, uh, young, and it just had a, such a huge impact on my, my life that I, you know, I reread it constantly. And you know, when you guys asked me to come on the show, I knew I didn't even need to you know, read through it again because it's so burned so in my memory. So I love b- this. But before we get to the actual contents of it, I want to in this yes. in a in a pre-internet age, Alex, in in 1984, teenage Alex finds out about service. How did that happen? Like, is well, was it was it in a in a fanzine or was it in a, at the comic book store? I mean, because that that's the thing is that right now you find out about a comic mainly from the internet, right? Yeah, uh, back then there was much more of a thriving print fan scene. Um, I heard about it in a magazine called Comic Collector, which was put out by the people who do Comics Buyer's Guide. Is that still a thing? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes. That is still a thing. Okay, good for them. So, uh, yeah, this was like a (laughs) spinoff. They were trying to do a magazine, and they profiled a bunch of alternative comics. And uh, like I said, I was kind of... um, Alterna curious. I mean, I, so. I mean, it's it's really the same story as me in the late '90s reading about Strangers in Paradise in Wizard, yeah. and then and then that led me to Strangers in Paradise. You know, like so. It's funny how those kind of that that was how you found out about books back then, and now it's somebody complaining about it on Twitter. So, yeah, and it's funny also because back then I didn't know anyone else who read it. Like, so oh, the geez. idea that nowadays you can be put in touch with a thousand other fans and fight over every little tiny detail it was you know i kind of developed in kind of a vacuum over there and i so. love the i love the idea of, of trying to uh, digest this volume of, of service and having no one to talk to about it <laughs> 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 
<laughs> That's why I was so eager to come on because my head is crammed with so much Cerebus knowledge and stuff that like I'm have like, you oh, ever I talked about this? It's, li- it's literally been almost thirty years of like I've been dying to talk to somebody about this. <laughs> I can finally read my manifesto and. <laughs> so another thing that Cerebus is famous for is that uh, the the phone books are sixteen. 600 page 600 ish page phone books that collect the entire run so when when i first encountered service which was around year 2000 when we, we all read the first first phone book it was like a thing to read the the phone book yeah to go out and get it and read read this giant book um so i'm gonna speak for myself but i might speak for josh and ron but you can tell me if i'm wrong i read the first volume 17 years ago and then read this volume i've never read volume two or book mm-hmm. two. So it was an interesting experiment to come in, you know, and skip 600 pages. Well, Josh, how far did you, did you, you only did the first volume? That was it. I mean, I think Connor and I bought and read that first one around the same time. Cause yeah, I remember so we bought it together talking about it. Like, we'll get this. And, um, it's not terribly indicative of the rest of the series. And I kind of knew that, but for some reason that sort of stopped me that in the enormity of the whole thing, I think sort of stopped me from continuing on, it's one of those things that I've been meaning to do. So that was the other reason that I kind of just blurted this out. I was like, maybe this will make me read it at the, at the least possible time that I would do something like that. So I kind of nice. like that. A little well, behind the scenes action here. We weren't quite sure Josh would be on this show, uh, despite the fact that he was the one who made us read it. Uh, <laughs> but he pulled it off. He did it. Good kudos. Bravo. I finished it three days ago, and I've been, like, dying for this because I was yeah. like, I'm not allowed to say anything. i got to save it. <laughs> While it's still fresh. Um, so well, co- you know, it's, it's so- funny because we, we that first book is, is sort of very straightforward, and then I hear a lot about what comes later, and you hear about Dave Sim, and I thought, do I really want to read all the way through it? And so I was anxious to see what the book would be like, and, and I think uh, that's why I'm looking forward to talking about the rest of it. So uh, to answer Connor's question, I read the first volume probably around the same time, 15 years ago or so, and then maybe about 10 years ago or so, I read all the way through to Jaka's story, which is the which is the phone book immediately after the second volume of Church of State. And, so five? Yeah, five. I made it five in. That's where I stopped. Um, and then, but I am a huge Dave Sim fan. And in fact, yeah. most, most recently, I, I a long time I fanboy listeners will remember me being the only person in, in the comics internet podcasting space to be raving about Glamour Puss, his last book, and um, mm. uh, as well as his gra- graphic novella Judenhaas, <laughs> the, st- the story of the Holocaust. Um, but yeah, I, but Dave Sim, Dave Sim's talent as an artist is one that I have been a long, 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 long time fan of, and I just love his work. Uh, I don't love his brain, but so I like his art. I and be- do a little. <laughs> and well, and before we get into that, into the book itself, one last note is is a while ago, back when we did the video show, we did one of those barbecue email shows. And we were picking the pantheon of that indies boom. And I think it was Cerebus, Strangers in Paradise, Bone, and it was something else. But this is one of the most important uh, indie Love and Rockets in that group. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. This is one of the most important uh, comics of, you know, the modern era. I guess if you could call it the modern era. I, I think it was. I don't know if it still is, but it was. I think on the whole, you have to take, I mean, a 300... Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that went that spanned three decades. I mean, you have I, to agreed. Yeah, and, and like and like I said, you know, there are. I, I mean, I know for a fact that people like Eric Larson and and Todd McFarlane very much have it in the back of their minds when they're working on Spawn and Savage Dragon to get to three hundred because Dave Sim did. 
It's similar to the Fantastic Four. What, what's the Jack and Stan mark? Was it like one one oh eight? One twelve issues. One fourteen. Twelve issues. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the book. All right. Sure. So what is Cerebus? Alex? <laughs> How would you uh, describe you the, it? The How would you describe the, the character briefly and then what the book is? Um <clears throat> the character is a um kind of cartoony talking aardvark in a world full of humans he's basically the an aardvark the way like you know uh picture he's like alf he's kind of like alf <laughs> he's like a lot he's like walking alf. around in a world full of and actually there were a lot of accusations that alf was ripped off from service but we'll, uh, just... we'll save, save that for another <laughs> podcast do we have a reference that maybe someone born in the late 80s early 90s might know oh um <laughs> He's like, you, did you ever see Ted? That movie Ted with the yes, talking? Yeah. It's like that. That's, yeah, Cerebus is like the bear in Ted. He's, but, there you go. So, uh, I, yeah, I got to so, say, I remember when Alex was not a professional podcaster, but now look at him go. <laughs> Instantly with the feeling. There was no um. You just had an answer. It's impressive. <laughs> I knew you win. Yeah, so um, the, oh, now I just said it. So <laughs> it, it totally ruined it. Uh, yeah, so Cerebus is kind of a, it starts off, he's a barbarian in the, the first part of the book, as you say, is very atypical of the rest of it, because he's a barbarian having kind of comical adventures. And wasn't then at a certain point, it, he, early on, it was very like almost Conan-esque. Yeah, he really starts off doing a Barry Windsor Smith yeah. parody. It re- yeah, it really. And, was it even a parody, though? It was almost straightforward, but with an aardvark. There was some, some there was slight. Some, like humor. I think by by yeah. definition that's going to be parody. The, enti- yeah, the, yeah. the entire book is parody and satire to a yeah. certain degree. Continuing in this book, in, the, in this sure. volume we're reading, but yeah, like that was it, like a, Cerebus was at least for my reading and understanding of it, a lot of times a reflection of the world of comics around it at the time, and it evolved yeah. through the years and that sort of thing. But it was you know that it was it was very relevant in his commentary of what was going on in the greater comics world. Yeah, that's that I would agree with that. And so uh, by the time we get to church and state, Cerebus is, I think at the very beginning, he's still sort of a wandering barbarian. He's sort no, of, he'd previously he's a, been. Well, I mean, but, 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 he, but he's, he's, he's not anymore. So he's sort of a wandering right. mercenary. And then, uh, and that actually was really fun to sort of fill in the gaps in my head because they would describe what happened before. And then by the end of this issue, this, this book, he's the Pope of the land. And so he goes on yeah. quite a journey. Um, he's prime minister and then he's Pope. And this is, uh, the story of Cerebus and bureaucracy and red tape and religion. And uh, I, I mean, this is 600 pages. I flew through this. I loved it. I thought this was really great. Well, it's yeah. very, a lot of it is very manga ish in that there's a lot, not a lot of words per yep. page. You know, there's a lot of, you know, there's four pages of Cerebus. Oh, I actually, I think that's the next one. Is this the one where there's like, yep. well, there's a bunch of dream issues yep, and this um, one. Him peeing. Yeah, so, this one. Uh, yeah, there's, there's like a six page peeing sequence. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like a dense 598 pages or whatever. No, it, 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 it definitely flows. It definitely flowed. Like once you got into like when I when I would sit down and start, you know, cracked open a beer, sat out on the porch and started reading. I, I looked up and I'm 100 pages in, you know, like I was yeah. reading. I was reading in about 100, 150 page batches and not even noticing the time. Um, even no, the, and I could have kept going. I was like, I, I yeah, go somewhere else. E- even though even the the hand lettered the script uh, pages or the very the, the very wordy issues, they still felt like a really good flow. And so like the balance <laughs> between the, the, the issues or the, the sections that were light on dialogue and the ones that were heavier dialogue, it's still read as fast as, as could be. So. Well, I mean, that would be my, my note if anybody's listening, like why would I read it from here? 
you could totally read it from here and that but the first chunk of what you hit is going to seem like it's really dense yeah but it doesn't take very long to sort of get past that and everything gets moving so don't let that scare you off because at first i was like i'm never going to finish this yeah, and, and, and the whole thing is like this. Yeah, I mean, and you get through, and it's. To, I totally agree. Like you know, a lot, I think a big tripping point for the three of us fifteen years ago when we tried to read service was was saying, okay, I've got to start at volume one and right. going through those Conan, you know, kind of barbarian adventures. And but with this book, it takes a turn, leaning way more into the satire, being way more society, you know, kind of reflection of society, and becoming a political commentary book versus a barbarian book and so and like you might not know what's going on in the first you know 40 pages but you figure it out real quick and you may not have a direct grasp of the all the different countries because they're you know they're not our countries they're they're made up fantasy land you may not have a you know 100 grasp of that but i didn't during the force awakens it didn't really matter it was uh <laughs> it, it was uh <laughs> it, it was um it gives you all the information you need. All the information yeah. you absolutely need. You may yeah. not have all the details, but you have all the information you need. For that was sure. actually one thing that I really loved about Service when I first read it is that he was kind of famous for not having any, like, pre, you know, previously on Cerebus or, like, having characters give you any, no captions, giving you any exposition, any of that stuff. So it really felt like he was... I loved the fact that he was giving you credit for being intelligent enough to to follow along in as much as you you know as much as you're able to i like the fact that he did, wasn't kind of dumbing it down for people and it's also i, I think the testament to the book in itself is that I, I remembered a lot of these characters from 15 16 17 years ago me too you know, the the uh, the groucho marx character and uh, obviously his wife the so the red sonia uh, uh parody and uh, for some reason the groucho guy stuck with all oh, right that guy and that i literally hadn't read it in 17 years so it lord was, julius yeah, it stuck with me. And his, his Groucho voice is spot on. I mean, his, it, there's a lot of, this is really good. I just, I, we're all in agreement <laughs> about that, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, like, I expected to like it, but a lot of times you'll read something from 30, 35 years ago and it, it won't connect with you the same way. Um, and I just thought, wow, this is, I was continually just being stunned by the thinking behind stuff, the, um, the dialogue is literally the way it was written. Some of what you're talking about, some of that kind of um, he did voice. There's different cartoon voices. There's a foghorn leghorn in here. There's there's yeah. a Groucho in here, and they're all kind of spot on. Um, but then, and at the same time, then the art is there to impress you. It's it's really like a total package. And then just the the thinking behind some of the parodies. The like every once in a while, in Cerebus's letters specifically, he will spout off about something about leadership or people or something like that. And even though it's it's quite cynical, it's it's really intelligent. And I'm wondering what 15-year-old Alex thought of that. Uh, I loved it. And well because, you know, I was when I was 15, that's when I I started becoming like uh you know, like uh started reading stuff like Catch 22 and stuff, mm -hmm. basically letting you know that the whole system is a joke and, you know, the whole world is crazy and doesn't really make sense and so on. And so hearing that and someone kind of you know, agreeing with that sentiment was was very, uh, you know, it felt like subversive almost. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a very cynical book. Oh, yeah. Yes, it is. Uh, I mean, it's a very cynical look at uh, government at first when service becomes prime minister and then religion when he becomes the pope. And then mm -hmm. both of them as they battle over power over the people who are not shown to, in that great of light. No one looks good in this book but and, and, yeah. and let's let's not forget like it, it, it kind of starts you off with a palate cleanser of 
the mo- going back to comics, the modern comics commentary with Wolverine. Wolverine. Yeah, yeah that Wolverine. was really unexpected. Also, Chris Claremont <laughs> makes an appearance, and and that is the only part of it. Or I'm not going to say it lost me, but I was a little put off. Not put off. Uh, it was that you know I wasn't reading comics at this time so it's it, I, I was wondering so, some of what the subtext might have been because i didn't quite you didn't follow it like you didn't know the subtext. you know this whole era no, though i, I mean, mean like no i kind of do but i'm wondering what else was there that i didn't really know about you know because i wasn't reading at the time i know about the characters i know about the stories or the i'm just wondering what I the imagine backdrop... just an indie comics guy who didn't yeah. like mainstream comics yeah yeah um i i thought i thought for sure i thought for sure that as i was reading this i'm like oh these guys are gonna hate it I thought for sure, like I didn't think you guys were gonna get past that section, mainly Josh, because I, because yeah. of like it's taking me out of the story, and I don't why is Wolverine yeah, in this or whatever. But I think that's that's part of what the genius is, is that in this, Absolutely. yeah, in this ridiculous kind of fifteen hundreds, sixteen hundreds era world, having a you know a an assassin who is channeling the nineteen eighties superheroes, and when they go through all of his incarnations, and at one point he's Captain America and he's Moon Knight, how he's drawing the parallels between what those characters, the essence of those characters are, versus how they're being used and manipulated in comics, and also by that assassin. I it was, I mean, it was very on the nose, but also genius. Well, I mean, the other thing you got to think about is that, like, at this point, having postmodern commenting on something is pretty common. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm willing to say this was fairly groundbreaking at the time. Yeah. And you can, again, Alex, you could back me up, but I feel like now they've done this sort of thing to death, but this sort of feels more like a, like a progenitor of the whole thing. Uh, it was definitely, well, I mean, you know, uh, I think there's been a handful of times where cartoonists or whatever have either sure. slammed each other or done tributes to each other. Uh, X Men and the and Cerebus actually had a kind of um, there was a character named Professor Claremont very early on in the book who yes. who uh, and um, Chris Claremont you guys will probably know this uh, that put a character in um, the X Men named Sim S Y M who's like a giant kind of demon who kind of physically <laughs> in some ways looks a lot like Cerebus so I think there was a and also there was a lot of talk at the time of actually doing a Cerebus X Men crossover book for some reason I was thinking that actually existed but it doesn't you no know, there's some like sketches that Dave Sim did but I don't think it ever really got much past the uh, the talking stage Dave Sim is very like uh, um, fiercely independent when it comes to like signing contracts with companies and things like that. Yeah, I know. Um, But, well, yeah, and then, but then also this, this three-issue sequence of Wolver Roach in uh, issues 54 through 56, uh, Marvel threatened to sue him over. Uh, Yeah. I I was thinking that, too. It's pretty straightforward. Like, that's Wolverine, that's Captain America, that's... (laughs) Well, it's even worse when you, with those Wolver Roach issues, it was three issues in a row Yep. That were just Wolverine on it because Dave Sim was like those covers Frank Miller did for the Wolverine cover were terrible. The Wolverine <laughs> miniseries were terrible, so he wanted to show like this is how you should have done Wolverine covers for the Frank Miller series. So after the third one, Marvel's like, okay, don't. Uh, they actually they they said you got to knock it off. We're happy to let you do parodies, and we'll we'll basically give you a waiver if you want to. You know, do a parody, but you can't put them on the cover. It's yeah. certainly not for three issues in a row. So <laughs> that's, that's all. Like, and imagine that happening now. I know. <laughs> yeah, right. Like that's the. <laughs> but uh, so yeah. So the that's last a... time I remember doing that was was Spawn when he had a, when he had all the Marvel characters in prison. 
that, that, was, that was the, sp- the yeah. that was the spot that was the spawn issue with Cerebus in it actually issue ten right yeah, yeah. written yeah. by Dave Sim yeah right <laughs> wow goes Ooh. around comes uh, around. let's talk about so one of the things that's interesting is that you can say it's about church and state and 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 really. It's a very long treatise on sort of how, like, the worst way that those might work. But at the center of it, though, is that you have you have Cerebus, who's going through a thing, the whole time, like he's 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 lo- he's love lost and and he can't get over a girl, and then he meets another girl who just can't quite get into him, presumably because he's a short aardvark. I don't think and, so. Go I on. Just, I think I think I think you just sort of. To everyone else, it's normal. He's an aardvark. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe for whatever reason. But she sort of hints at some point. She says something like, "She." It's very subtle. It's written extremely subtly. So I, you know, you could interpret it however. But it seemed like she was about to say, "There's something about you I don't like." And he was like, "What? Say it." And then she never went. She never kind of said anything again. And they never revisited her, at least in this volume, which I find very interesting. And then he wakes up drunk and finds himself married to Sophie. Is it Sophia? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. And then everything sort of starts from a little device from there. But what's interesting to me is that, like, throughout this whole thing, basically Cerebus keeps gaining power. And he keeps using that power to be more and more corrupt and Petty awful. Petty revenge, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's more like because he's angry about something personal. Like, he's lonely. He wants he wants either girl back. Either it's um, not Astoria, but... Um, Jocka. Jocka. Right, Nora, it's not her originally, but then it comes back to Jocka, who he's really missing, and then he can't get her, and that just makes it worse and worse. And 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 like literally, almost every panel that you see Cerebus when he's not in public making his commandments, he's he's like hunched over, and his his face is grimacing, and he's just he's kind of sad, like he's depressed, and he's lashing out as a result of that. There's a really this sort of small personal thing going on underneath all this really over the top rulership stuff that I found really interesting, also. Yeah, Just I think Cerebus being a aardvark, I think, is acts as a handy um, kind of visual hint that he's a very alienated character that, you know, he mm-hmm. does not fit in. He's uh, and it's it's very tempting to play, you know, armchair psychiatrist and try like, oh, how much of Cerebus is Dave Sim and, and, and so on. So uh, he what do you uh, think? What? Um, what do you think? <clears throat> I think Cerebus was a lot more like Dave Sim than Dave Sim would want to admit. <laughs> you know, it's like an aspect of his personality, both good and bad, because Cerebus can be a very charismatic, funny character. And, and clearly intelligent, I, too. He's, well, that was the thing. That's a, Yeah, the, the intelligence is showing through all over the place. Now, say whatever you will about, about Dave Sim, but I'm reading this going, this person is extremely smart. You know, and, and, and it, I, you know, it seemed like he delved into this book in a way that a lot of people don't have the opportunity to even sort of put in one place in focus like that. But it, it's kind of, it's, it's both focused and all over the place. If that makes sense, he has so much room to run, but like, I didn't feel like I was like, where's he going this time? Like it was very, it drove forward very well. There was a, a coherent sort of train of thought, I guess going on, but it's interesting. Cause I wonder how much he planned ahead and knew what he was going to do or how much he was just flying by the seat of his pants. <laughs> uh, do you want me to tell you the answer to that? Yes, I do. <laughs> Why he you're says, here? He, there's a certain point in the book where um, basically Cerebus meets his creator, Dave Sim. And um, 
Dave Sims said he had everything up until that point scripted out. And then after that, he just wanted to see, he, basically he was going to let Cerebus dictate what direction the story went in from that point. So um, when was that? Like how far into um, issue 200, I think. OK. Wow. Um, a lot of people say that. Well, a lot of people, perhaps even myself, think that uh, issue 200 would have been a lot better ending point than what. <laughs> <laughs> the last third is definitely not as much not I don't think is as good as the earlier parts of the book the series I mean well that's 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 that, that's the real thing about it I mean it's it's a marathon of a it's a life's work and yeah. and he's going to hit a stride at some point and either through you know exhaustion or self just self uh kind of falling apart self-destruction or whatever it might be alienation a divorce maybe i don't know uh, things like that are going to affect the outcome of it and uh you know so it kind of comes with the territory but it's definitely it definitely hits its stride in the middle part of course because that's when he's at the the moment of mastering his craft and i think the addition of gerhard really helped we're, we're talking a lot about the story and stuff like that but from an art standpoint the addition of gerhard and that that partnership over the years really led to the high point of the Cerebus's kind of you know, did, run. Did that start in here or was Gerhard around earlier? No, no, he's um basically, 65. Yeah, you can kind of tell because okay. the first like a uh, couple of yeah. chapters of the book literally it's like the most minimal backgrounds possible. Cerebus is up, you know, it's either black and white yeah. backgrounds and then once Gerhard comes in then suddenly you start seeing like and that really well, freed Dave Sim up to really kind of spread his wings story-wise because he didn't have yeah. to worry about, like, am I going to be able to draw this because Gerhard is a phenomenal artist who... Now, you know. I noticed at one point there's a there's a title page that has, you know, backgrounds by Gerhard for the first time, and from there I went, oh, and I backed up, and it looked like he'd been working on it a little bit before that finally showed up. And maybe that was the last page of it, not the first page or something like that, but... I think issue 65, he might have been uncredited, and then they put that in issue 66, and like they weren't quite sure if it was going to be a regular thing. And then I guess na then after that, he was just kind of credited in the you know the indicia of the book. The, the, the thrill of agony and the victory of defeat is it, 293, and this is the first time you see backgrounds by Gerhard, but he's clearly yeah. the one before it. And the level up that happens on it when he joins oh up, I mean, it's like it's like what's amazing is that you have this layering of Sim's cartoonish style with Dave with um with Dave Sim with Cerebus and the other characters and their you know the their facial expressions things like that, but then you almost like I got like vibes of Hogarth in the background. Right. Like this classic kind of like, you know, you, you know, it, it fit of the time, you know, 15, 16, 1700s, you know, the, the stonework and the, you know, the, the town, the, the towns and the town square and all that sort of stuff. It's just a, like an amazing the, the backgrounds just added so much definition and just really blew my mind. And when we got into the church stuff, it was just it was great. The hotel it gave it gave me shades of early Disney stuff where you'd have a character like Pinocchio mm. against a really lushly painted background. Yeah. And it, yeah. the, 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 the styles are almost, di they, they're different, but they work really well. And anyway, and I felt that it seemed like they were almost in two different, Cerebus is almost a character from a different book in this book, but it worked really well. It made him, it also made him stand out more. Yeah. There really was a point where and it was probably around when Gerhard started, but even if I, even as I went through it, I like, the layouts, the the sort of a lot of this is a, a lot of this is talking heads. It's not action, oh, but yeah. I still found myself, you know, completely blown away by some of the pages that are that are just talking. Um, and that's even outside of Gerhard. When Gerhard shows up, I was, you know, there are many times where I was slipping through this, and you know, we've seen a lot of comic books, and I went, 
oh my god like look at this it's it's really a hell of a piece of comic book work uh, art i mean everything but just the, the art is is really stunning like throughout did did that keep up like as it as it gets on later is he sort of oh gerhard only just kept improving i mean incredible wow. incredible uh <laughs> towards the end of the book um the relationship between them was a bit strained and uh <laughs> and so um basically the last um book of cerebus he's in one the whole last year of cerebus he was in one room uh, you know and so hmm. basically gerhard drew the room once and then with the magic of photoshop they kind of just put different backgrounds depending on uh, on on how things wow. are going so yeah, but he was—he's—he uh, still is a a great artist. He's still uh, doing what stuff. He, but uh, what does he do now? Uh, he does a lot of commissions. He's been doing shows. I think he has a a story in like the new heavy metal magazine that uh, one of those British guys you like uh, wrote. <laughs> <laughs> I always get them all confused. Grant Morrison and uh, I get all those guys confused. So uh, it's not wow. Neil Gaiman. Not Grant, him, I know that. Grant Ellis, Emmett, so, Ennis. So he's uh, actually, G- Gerhard's, Gerhard's going to be at uh, the Halifax, Nova Scotia con- uh, Comic Con in September. And uh, in November, he's at the Vancouver Fan Expo. So you can see him there. Nice. Yeah. Still. Uh, I, I, it, I've just felt sad for just a second that like all the kids are going to be walking around and he's like, none of them know who I am. But like every once in a while, a 50 year old dude will walk and be like, you're the best. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's comics. I want to um, hire him. I would love him to do my backgrounds in my book. Well, so, according uh, to his website, he says, if you're interested in a commission, check out my commissions page for a print. Click my store. <laughs> if it piques my interest, I'll draw it. <laughs> so yeah. here you go. There's your challenge. Contact Gerhard and pique his interest. <laughs> <laughs> With 400 pages worth of uh, backgrounds for him to do. I'm sure he'll jump on board. <laughs> I'm is Gerhard his first or last name? Uh, I think it's his first name. He's very—he's never revealed his last name oh, wow. or like the whole thing. I guess he's just—you uh, know—he's always gone by, gone by that. So, uh, enigmatic think. background artist, that, yeah. enigmatic Canadian background artist—that's a niche. Yeah. Gerhard G. Gerhard. <laughs> um, one of, the, and I want to—I don't want to throw any stones or get too deep into where Sim went later in his life and career, but. One of the things I really got reading this was that Sim was a true genius, and there's there's often a madness in genius. And, and again, I don't want I'm not saying he's insane, but most I'm saying is he he's actually like a genius between the writing and the art. I thought this is this is a level of comic book work you don't see uh, ever, yeah. really. Um, and the fact that he did it so long, no matter what happened towards the end, it's it's. Well, the, the fact that he did he's it so, a mad genius. The fact that he did it so long, and the fact that he self-published for that long time period, you know, like honestly, yeah. with without say, and and we're alluding to a lot of it. We don't want to talk about it because because Dave Sim in the '90s ran into a lot of trouble with some of his opinions and some of the stuff that was depicted in the book and things like that. And his own personal politics kind of got in the way of the work. But without him, you don't have. I, I without him, I don't have Strangers in Paradise. We don't have, um, you know, uh, Stray Bullets. We don't have Box Office Poison, right? 
Uh, you know, I like agree with that. Yeah, you know, like the the, the 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 to show that you can do this on your own. The DIY ethic of the '80s indie comics boom. Uh, Cerebus was all. That's why Todd McFarlane turned to him for issue number ten of Spawn because they, they felt as if they were continuing Sim's legacy, and he wanted to get Sim in on the action, so to speak. Um, you know, and and so you know, so whether or not you get the political satire of this book or any of the other stuff or the different directions it goes in. And um, just from the, the publishing f- aspect alone, it deserves respect. I, well, it's interesting because it kind of had to take place when it did. Yeah. Yes. Like it's this perfect Absolutely. timing for the person to come along with the story. I'm going to keep asking Alex this because it's better than Wikipedia. Do you know how old he was when he started this? Uh, let's see. I think, I think he was probably around 23, 24, something like that. So that would have been like 77. Yeah. You know, so he's born in 1956. He's currently 61. Okay, so, so he was he was about yeah, he was about 21 when he started in 77. So yeah. that so that would have been, I mean, he would have. It's a it's like I don't know. I'm trying to think about what the comics industry was like at that point, but there was a little. I guess he was kind of trailblazing. Yeah, really. I mean, yeah, because what, what you what you had was you had Marvel and DC both established in New York. You had at the same time Neil Adams fighting for creator rights in the late seventies, right? You had that. You had that but, whole, but getting that, but making no. his income from Marvel. Yeah, right. No, but that but then you also had a vital vital underground comic scene with R. Crumb and comics with an X and all the underground stuff that was going on, and that's where the, I feel like this was kind of b- born out of. And shops. They were shops at this point to support that and, you know, the fan scenes and things like that. Yeah, I think uh, perhaps it might even be the same year, but the mid-70s is when the direct sales market um, was born. And then you were able to have books like Cerebus and ElfQuest is another one that that was hugely popular at the time and and had a huge impact on on, uh, a generation of creators. But now seems to have kind of been, you know, uh, passed by the wayside. I think... Uh, getting back to what you said before about the the sort of um, role model aspect to it, for me, the fact that Dave Sim wrote, drew—I mean, Gerhard was with him—but the fact that Dave Sim wrote and drew and published and could just basically do any kind of story he wanted, no editor telling him what to do—that was like really uh, like seductive to me. I was like, as a teenager, I'm like, I get to draw whatever I want, and no one's telling me, you know, uh, oh, you have to change this. I was sold well, in a second. There's an X factor in that because how many guys did you go to art school with who felt the same way who are still making oh. comics today? Oh, very few of them. But uh, right, so yeah. there's another thing that apparently you have that he had, you know, that that you can put all that stuff together because it takes a great talent, but also sort of force of will to be able to do all that stuff and get through it and to say I'm going to do 300 from a project you started when you were 21. That's insane. Yeah, and follow through with it. And again, like that ended up stopping around the time of a little before but when he wouldn't have been able to go much further like he wouldn't have made it to 400 or at least he wouldn't have been able to pay for his life if he had oh yeah by the end of the book he was it was very uh numbers had really dwindled it's kind of a shame that by the time he got to issue 300 like nobody cared whatsoever (laughs) or very few people cared it was really uh kind of tragic (laughs) in a way people's entire lives had gone by yeah, like it was like going from being a teenager to being a middle-aged person by the time that it came out. It's it's pretty tough to, for that long. I just think also, just from an audience standpoint, like I yeah, don't know, how long do I have to read this? 
uh, Tim Kreider wrote a great essay of, of doing an overview of Cerebus and Dave Sim and his take on it basically like uh, Dave Sim is really like an, a, a very financially successful outsider artist. Like mm-hmm. if Dave Sim had died never publishing any of this stuff and this we found it after his death and he would be hailed as like a crazy genius and yeah. everyone would be like, oh, my God, that book. It's so, you know, even the fact that there's weird stuff in it just makes it all the better. And like, you know, he had all these crazy theories and stuff. But the fact that he was, uh, you know, a big voice in the uh, community and angered a lot of people and stuff. I think that kind of <laughs> he also wouldn't have survived social media. Oh, yeah, totally. But, you know, <laughs> it's I, I think that's a, I think Wait, that's he's a, not dead. Well, no, I he's not. We're, we're <laughs> talking about him like he's dead. He's not. No, dead. but he's also he's also very he's very much I don't want to say reclusive to a degree. He's very he shuns technology to a to a large degree as well. Um, you know, the, the, yeah, the, God, am I becoming Dave Sim? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. But, yeah, <laughs> but but the, well, the, the, the most recently he uh, he's had some health problems and he can, literally cannot draw anymore. So I think yeah. that's definitely going to uh, which is such a shame because you know like say what you will when Glamorpus got announced. And here I am, five years later, back talking about Glamorpus, guys. But when Glamorpus... <laughs> I thought we had fit, put that in the back. <laughs> when Gla- when Glamorpus when Glamour got came out, it was touted as Dave Sim drawing fashion models in in a photorealistic style akin to Alex Raymond, right? And everybody groaned because of the misogyny stuff and the women stuff and things like that. And like, why is he drawing fashion models? And very bizarre. What people don't realize was that that was one that was like six pages at best. And the rest of that comic was him drawing the life of Alex Raymond and the influence on him and an exploration of photorealism as an art style. And as a comic fan, that was like porn. It was am- it was amazing to read this, not only this historical telling of the mysterious death or, you know, like all the, 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 the car accident and the controversy and the, the, the competition between like him and Stan Drake and, and like these amazing cartoonists and all that sort of stuff. But then also to see Sim working out at whatever age, 50 something, trying to become the best photorealistic artist he could after th- three decades of drawing Cerebus as a cartoon aardvark, like trying to learn how to draw as good as Gerhard drew, can draw. Like that, like the drive to do that, I think is amazingly inspiring, even if you're a little wackadoo. What do you call it, wackadoo? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're, um, they're supposed to be. Um, I think there's a IDW has a deal. Yeah. They're they're taking the, uh, the Alex Raymond stuff from Glamour Puss, and if Dave Sim could finish it, they want to publish it as a book. But uh, yeah, they announced so. that in, they announced that in 2012 or 2013. Yeah, so, and I think that was might have been before his his uh, yeah, hand problem. So problems, I'm not. So, yeah, I'm. I'm, for, I'm, I'm I would lo- I would buy it in a second, but I'm not betting on it happening. You know, unfortunately. Well, interestingly, he's been con- t- talking, having, basically having artists audition to get to draw the book. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Like sending in their most photorealistic drawings. And he's going to that. I, that was something I'd seen about. I don't know what happened with it, if it's still in progress or. Have you thought, did you think about submitting? Uh, I didn't want to. <laughs> no, uh, you wouldn't want to work with one of your idols. Um, well, you know, there's that old saying about meeting your heroes, and I don't think I would want to just because yeah, he's a very strong personality. And yeah, yeah, you know, have you not met him? No, I, I've I met him, uh, I've met him a bunch of times. Um, uh, I met him the first time I met him was when I was uh, a fanboy, and I, I went to he was at a comics convention here in New York City, and I literally stood at his table 
for like six hours. And I'm not even joking. I literally just stood there watching him. And like whenever there was no people, I would talk to him. And it was, you know, pathetically uh, fanboyish. No offense. But uh, how did he deal with that? He was cool with it. You know, he was just kind of like, I guess, because also he was a huge comics fan growing up. So maybe on some level he understood, you know, the uh, the um, the drive behind it. But um yeah, so I met him a bunch of times, and unfortunately, my my star ascended just at the point where his star was, you know, uh, was descending. And I'm like, oh, I don't get to pal around with Dave Sim and hang out with him and stuff. So, uh, oh well, next time. I, I had the pleasure of of exchanging some communication with him uh, back when I worked at Image. Uh, via I would email someone else who would print it out and hand it to him and I, I was lucky enough to have a couple of phone calls right around when he was doing a lot of the Cerebus stuff on Kickstarter where he was launching oh, yeah. Kickstarters and stuff like that and we chatted several, and, and it involved him sending me a, a CD with stuff and, and uh, like because like, he would not email anything he wouldn't use email but um, yeah. uh, it's the, I, I, I kind of cherish those conversations because they were very specific and very pointed, but they were also like, wow, I'm talking to a master. Like, this is great. So, um, yeah, this is it's fantastic. But I feel like we've gotten off of church and state, though. Well, oh, yeah. you know what? I, I, have a sto- I have a story question. It's, it feels like it's such a big story that we mm-hmm. just read just even in this, but actually this is only a tiny part of the whole thing. But it, I don't know if it, it's some reason it's hard to not talk about it as a whole. Uh, I have a question. Uh, so... Cerebus is appointed pope, mm-hmm. and I'm. I, I was trying to figure out what was behind that, and then also, if I'm not mistaken, Cerebus is actually a believer. Yes, to a he certain is. extent. Yes, Terum is the god. Mm-hmm. But is it? Do you know how the theology works, Alex? Because I feel like this happened. Some of it was from before. And then there was the fairy, and that's where I, I got lost because there was a fairy who was a real a real god that Cerebus had met. Help me. Okay, uh, I assume you're you're probably referring to the elf who was like kind of like floating girl. Yep. Yes, yeah. but it was fake. I, well, and, uh, and, in church, yeah, in church and state, there's a lot of Dave Sim throws a lot of um, like wild elements into you know Cerebus when he he starts sneezing fire and there's a strange glowing object following him around and various weird things that um and uh, you know Dave Sim said that was basically just him just trying to figure out how like kind of the world works or whatever <laughs> so uh yeah so the the church stuff really becomes more um a factor in the second book they don't. They didn't barely explained it in in uh, that's. This is another one of those examples of Dave Sim not really giving the readers, like no one spells out. Okay, here's the history of the church, you mm-hmm. know, in, in a straightforward way. Everyone. So has it wasn't their own something angles. that I'd missed. It's just something no, no. I'd done yet. Yeah. No. No. It was okay. just. Yeah. It's. It's a lot of it's like you know implied. I guess. Because so, um, you have. I mean, I guess, I guess if you haven't read this. I don't know. I don't think there's a way to really spoil this. If you're if you're listening to this at this point, and you still haven't read it. You know, so his whole thing is that he becomes the pope, and he is a believer. He meets with whatever the whoever the pope is before him, who is killed at the end of the meeting. Mm-hmm. He's executed by one of the bishops at the end of the meeting that he has with Cerebus. Uh, and next we know they they you know Cerebus shows up in his pope's robes. Um, but he's a believer. He actually believes what he's saying. He believes that he, he is the most holy, and most holy says this. And what he tells everybody is they have to give him all the gold or the world will end. 
And yeah. it's this chicken or the egg thing that I can't figure out. And I don't mean it in a bad way. It means that I keep thinking about it. Well, what do you mean a chicken and an yeah, egg? In terms of what? I, I mean, is he saying that the world is going to end and they need to give him his gold because he believes that's actually the case? Or is he doing it for his own purpose? Uh, he's he's doing he it for his own purpose. His he's, he's lying. He's trying to get all the gold so he can go buy all the armies and 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 destroy all of his enemies. Yeah, he never wa- he never wanted purpose? to be he never wanted to be pope. Like that's the thing. Like he, I realize he, that. he he get he gets back. So basically, he when the book starts, he's coming off a stint of being prime minister, and the book starts with him writing his memoirs and talking how awful it was to be prime minister, right. and you're in meetings and nobody you know like no you can't believe anybody and all this sort of stuff has got this disdain. He's wavering in life. He gets sucked back into the world, but. On the religious side of things, he gets he right. gets he gets he gets conned into having to be the pope, um, right? He doesn't want to be an originally, so he, gets he figures conned into being prime minister. He's prime minister right. again, and then pope, and then pope, right. and then pope after that. Right, exactly. And so, so what he ca- what he ca- when he is pope, he says the only way I can get out of this is by fine. You want me to be pope? I'm going to tell everybody this is what they need. I'm going to I'm going to rebel against the people who put me in power. But I also kind of feel like he's buying his own shit. Is my point. Well, that's, I think it's just the power corrupting aspect of it. But he, I don't think he ever believes that he's no. going to cause the world to end. Correct. Yeah, I agree with that. That's why he gets freaked out when the supernatural things start happening because it's mm-hmm. like, oh shit, is this actually going to happen? Um, because there's a, there's a big discussion with other people saying you're the most holy, so you say if the world is going to end in five days, the world is going to end in five days. But what happens when five days comes around and the world doesn't end? Like that whole conversation, I found fascinating but, and trying to navigate around that um, that deadline that he but, that he added in the moment. But there's the other conversation with the elf or fake elf where they were like, you need to stop saying that. Mm-hmm. Right, but it was, which, a fa- it, was which, a fa- it was a fake elf trying to get him to stop saying it. Yeah. See, none of that's... Okay. Yeah. But he, right. that, that's also why he's freaked out because he, he didn't right. think it was real. And then when then these things start happening, whether they're real or not, he doesn't know what the hell's going on. Well, I so, don't know what's that was my take. On, that was my take on it. Right. <laughs> Well, so here's here's my warning. As I was saying, Dave Sim throws a lot of like wild card elements in it, and a substantial portion of them are never like adequately explained. I don't wait, think wait. we ever find out who the fake elf is. Wait a second, are there plot holes? <laughs> yeah, go figure. Oh my gosh, <laughs> are we gonna have a blog post of all the plot holes in Cerebus, Connor? <laughs> well, no. it's not plot holes so much as just things that are not explained. Sometimes like, in life, Ron, things aren't explained. Yep. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of just weird stuff that Why are is... are we still it, doing this? Don't explain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> I, I, uh... Who's... Sorry, there's, there's a lot There's a lot to go over as I flip through this, and I find myself going, oh, wait, does this get explained? There's that blonde dude whose name I can't remember who basically goes to see Cerebus. Bran McMuffin? Yeah, and, and he's... I can't tell where he's coming from. He is a true believer. Okay, that's what I thought. But again, like, there's that element of doubt, which I like. This is the thing I like about it. There's an element of doubt with everything. I'm like, wait, is this really happening? Um, okay, so he is a true believer. That's great. Yes. That's really fun. <laughs> I also I really like Sophia as a character because it started off as this sort of one note parody thing that I remember from the first volume that I read, mm-hmm. and and she starts off as one thing in the beginning and in the end she's like the only person who speaks to him, like he's a person and he can't he, at first he doesn't care about her and then he can't get her on his side and then he feels really lonely when she leaves him. Um, but then that leads that leads to the heartbreaking scenes with Jaka. 
Yeah. Which are, yeah, which is, so, so she finally leaves. So, so she is used as a pawn to, he, he's forced to marry her and that's part of the, 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 the deal. Sophia. To get to, yeah. Sophia. Sorry. Uh, it's the red Sophia. Mm-hmm. Um, that she's, they get married while he's drunk and, uh, Weishaupt uses that as leverage to get him to agree to be the Pope. And so he's with Sophia for a long period of time. Sophia realizes that they don't have a good relationship and she finally bails. Right. And that, that scene, that whole, that whole sequence was fantastic. And then, yes, he, it was. Then he gets depressed and he finds out that the, his true love, Jaka, is in the city. And so he summons her and they have this conversation. And that whole, I mean, that ripped my heart out. That was like, that was fantastic. Uh, you know, and, and basically she she has moved on and has married someone else. And yeah, he's not great, but he takes care of me and I don't have to worry about it. Everything. And Cerebus drops the Pope robe and puts on his old vest and says, come on, let's go right now. I have all this gold. You and I, let's go. And she won't go. And then he lets her go because he loves her. And and, and, and she won't even take take yeah. his go- take gold like, she you know, she's not living an easy life. And he says, here, take a bag of gold. She won't even take that because she's pregnant. Oh. She's pregnant with this other man's child. And yeah. when he when he hears that, he runs and gives her the money, but she won't take it. And like that, that I mean, that was like a high point of this book for me. I mean, admittedly, because I fall, you know, I'm a sucker for the the, the romance stuff. But uh, but also, you you have to. You, it takes a while to get there because that's the third oh, yeah. romance in the book too. So you yeah. you're watching him just get beaten down, and you finally go, oh, now he's found what he wants. Oh, he's not going to get that. And he like it within the book, he never recovers from that. He just keeps getting beaten down more and more, and then he gets his weird cold and he's you know he's in a position where he has all the power he's getting everything he wants he's got all of the gold no one can oppose him but he's miserable yeah and uh it's very compelling it's very it's uh weird to me that dave sim now who has a reputation for being such a uh, misogynist in church and state there's three at least three i guess three strong female characters you have the countess you have sophia and you have uh astoria Yep, and um, it's it's just kind of you know like it's sad to me that like at one point he was capable of writing kind of well-rounded you know female characters, but towards oh. the end of the book it becomes much more like you know well, uh, we, we know what happens. Yeah. So <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, life be- yeah. art becomes the starts mirroring life, and and you know things don't go his way, and so his characters he, he turns on his characters to a certain degree, I guess you know. Um, and it's hard. I mean, I, and, and it's funny because this book is about separating church and state, and it's hard to separate art from life, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, yeah, there you go. Sad. Even the lettering is great. <laughs> right. Like the whole, all of his speeches from the windowsill or the roof, where he's yelling, you know, about how the gold has to come, and and how there's there can't be excuses, and these are the consequences, and oh, it's just there's so many wonderful sequences, and and. I mean, it's 600 pages, and I, I, I thought, oh, there's no way I'm going to finish. I flew through it, and I'm absolutely ready to read the next one. Like, I have no I'm, – I'm, I'm ready to move on to the next one immediately. I was really blown away. I, I was. I, it's nice I, to I, – it, I, I will say we were joking about whether or not you were going to finish it, but when you chimed in and told us that you finished it, I was, I was surprised, and then I went, oh, I bet it clicked. Oh, it totally clicked. I'm definitely going to be reading the next volume. There's, there's no like Church and State Part One. So I mean, theoretically, if you're listening to this, you know, we could do this again. <laughs> I mean, oh, oh, wait, I, I, I mean, it worked last time. Cere- Maybe Josh and I should start our Cerebus podcast. Cerebus minute. <laughs> well, yeah, but that, but, that, me- but but that is a good question though, because so you're going to stick with it, Connor. Are you going to read uh, Volume Two? 
Yeah, I already ordered it. It's coming. All right, cool. I probably will do the same, so maybe we will revisit it. Are either are any of you guys tempted now to go back to read uh, the second volume, High Society? I suppose where I he should. was prime minister. Yes. Interesting. Are you going to read it? Yes. Are you going to read it before or after Church and State Volume Two? No, I'll read Church and State Volume Two. I've already read Part One, um, but I might go back and get two. Then I'll have the first four. All right. And Alex, you said you feel like this is a high point, the Church and State storyline. Well, for me, I, I mean, I guess for me, it's what I like about Cerebus. It's there's the uh, you know a lot of interesting characters and intrigue. It's there's a lot of great jokes in it, um, and just visually, that him and Gerhard are are really starting to fire on all cylinders and stuff. I, I just think it's uh, you know, it, it's it's good times. I'm glad that Josh impulsively blurted this out. And set us down this road <laughs> because honestly, no, no, because honestly, over the years, the the black and white indies, like we've talked a lot about how I'm the only one of the three of us who loves Love and Rockets, and you guys get it, but you don't really get it, you know, and 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 you know, and I feel like Cerebus is one of those ones where we know the importance, but do you really know it, you know? And and I well, like it's so often that you hear about these legendary things, and there's a lot of them you can read, and it's hard to connect with them. And I was really happy that I was like, oh, I, I totally understand. I'm, I'm connecting to this. I see why it's great. I see why it's a thing that people talk about. And that's a really great feeling, because it's good art. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good cool. stuff. So, Well, great. Well, Alex, thank you for joining us. Uh, this is, this oh, is, it's you, my pleasure. Your knowledge was, uh, is, is appreciated. That's rarely happened, so I'm glad I could finally put it to some good use. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, any, any other any other business boys before we wrap this up? Well, where can they find you, Alex? Pl- plug your plug your bits. Um, I am on a podcast called Star Wars Minute, where we go through the entire Star Wars uh, movies one minute at a time, just like uh, Goodfellas Minute. And um, <laughs> you can find that at StarWarsMinute.com. And where are you up to right now? Uh, we are in between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. So um, we're, we we did the original trilogy, and now we are two thirds through the uh, prequel trilogy. So you got a lot to listen to there. You poor bastard. But I guess there's a light. There's a light at the end of that tunnel. <laughs> well, yeah, Clones was really the low point. I, I love Sith, so uh, I'm I'm good with that. Oh, that's great. Well, and, love might be overstating it. <laughs> but it's my favorite. And of course, there's the aforementioned God- Godfather minute. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is true. <laughs> Man. And let's not forget a, a great number of uh, comic book pages and, and books uh, such as Box Office Poison, Tricked, Our Expanding Universe, and, and so on. And, and I, I, I will say, as I read through this, I went, oh, I see the influence on your work very much. Not in a bad way. I just, I, yeah, it was especially very Especially the apparent. misogyny. <laughs> totally, yeah. <laughs> Visu- <laughs> visually. <laughs> oh no, I'm not. Uh, I'm. I'm. I am. Uh, I'm surprised more people have not like you know called me out on it. So uh, I guess I'm more aware of the tricks I'm stealing from Dave Sim probably than a lot of people are. Uh, you know. Uh, well, it's interesting because I don't think a lot of people have taken much from it. In, yeah. in a way, so you can kind of get away with it. <laughs> um, and I know that I know there's been times you're like I don't really want to do backgrounds anymore. So again, you know, sometimes that works. Yeah. <laughs> Um. yeah that's all that I have on this show do we want to wrap it up here alright so go to ifanboy.com there'll be a post in the show if you want to talk about Cerebus book 3 Church and State volume 1 you can talk about it there uh, you can find all of our other podcasts at ifanboy.com including our weekly show the pick of the week podcast in which we talk about the week's comics 
And all of our special edition shows, Booksplodes, next month will be a Talksplode. Brought to you by the Patreons at patreon.com slash ifanboy. And thank you to all those people who contributed and allowed these shows to happen. Hey, Alex, you just want to stick around and we can do the Talksplode now? Sure. (laughs) 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 So until then, next time, thank you very much, Alex, for stopping by. I am Connor. I'm Ron. I'm Josh. Thank you. And we were all serious. Don't correct me when I'm on the